Welcome to the wonderful world of dance, bringing you exclusive interviews with top dancers and choreographers and reviews of the world's best companies across the globe. You can find lots more on our website at thewonderfulworldofdance.com. Hi, this is Savannah Saunders from The Wonderful World of Dance and today I'm at the Canadian Embassy with Emily Molnar, the Artistic Director for Ballet BC or Ballet British Columbia. And we're here to talk about the new tour that's coming to the UK next year. Hi, Emily. Hello, Savannah. So, first of all, tell us about Ballet BC or full name, Ballet British Columbia. Ballet British Columbia is over 30 years old. Wow. It was founded in 1986, and it was always founded with the premise that it would be a contemporary ballet company. Uh, it's always been kind of a mid-sized company. We're one of five major ballet companies in Canada. We're the largest dance organization in BC, British wow. Columbia, as you've mentioned. Um, what's really unique about, about eight years ago, I became the artistic director, and we've really turned the focus onto what is contemporary within ballet and being more of a creation-based company. What does that mean? It means that about three quarters of our repertoire are new works, works wow. that are made on us. So that really helps to kind of follow our vision, which is to work on building 20th and 21st century repertoire and to really have a global conversation. So not only with our Canadian artists and choreographers, but also with um, internationally. So since 2009, we've created 45 new works. And in wow. some cases, we've brought choreographers into Canada who have never been seen before. So we're quite excited. And we, we base in Vancouver, so we're based in Vancouver, so we perform there three times a year, but we tour about eight weeks of the year. Wow, that is such an exciting premise for a ballet company mm -hmm. to create so much unique work, mm -hmm. and particularly contemporary work, as you say. So for those who don't quite know, well, what is contemporary ballet compared to ballet ballet? Mm -hmm. um, if they want to go off to the theater, what can audiences expect? Or how would you define contemporary ballet? It's a very, it's a challenging thing to, to define. Um, one, because I, one could argue that a great classical dancer today, if they're fully alive and inhabiting the work, they are a contemporary dancer doing classical work. What to, for me and for the company, what is kind of our point of view on contemporary ballet is our dancers, first of all, are classically trained. So, and we work on point, uh, with point work, um, but also on flat and, and all, all different kind of, in a variety of different ways. But that the training inside of the dancer's um, body comes first from a classical root. What we do with a choreographer then is that we build a language each time we make a piece. So you're not actually seeing our work, when you go to see a, a piece of, by Ballet BC, you're not necessarily seeing classical ballet in its codified form on stage, mm -hmm. but it would not look the same if there wasn't the ballet training. So there is still a very strong sense of articulation in the body, of, of, of versatility and virtuosity in the body that comes from that classical training, even if we're not dancing um, original classical steps. But it does come out in their ability of each of the dancers to work with the choreographer and build almost like a new dictionary each time we make a new piece. So we have dancers who can improvise fluently, can also, you know, we take ballet class every day. So it's very much in our, in our training. And then it's, it kind of, it's, I kind of describe what we do with contemporary ballet a bit more like a jazz musician. So you have to have great classical music uh, training yeah. to be a great jazz musician. So that's, that's kind of the departure of what I would say is contemporary ballet, where you're still holding on to its training, but you're kind of going that step further in developing movement invention when you actually deal with the repertoire. That sounds, I love the analogy with the, the jazz. I think that is 
A wonderful analogy. Mm -hmm. So tell us about some of the work which you're bringing over to the UK as part of the tour next year. We're first of all very excited. Um, obviously we have a very special relationship with the UK being coming from Canada. Um, but to be able to come for three weeks into a market that has such a, a wonderful attention on international dance. Yeah. We're proud to be able to bring a program of three female choreographers. Brilliant. So the, the works originally were done for Ballet BC or brought to Ballet BC um, at different times. But um, later on I curated the evening with the intention that, you know, three very important um, female voices would come together and I thought that was a nice way to demonstrate our, our vision. Uh, two of the works um, are existing works, so they were not made for us, but so it's unusual, but we're very excited to have them. So one of the works is by Crystal Pite, who you're probably familiar with. Yes. She has her own wonderful company called Kit Pivot, but is obviously seen all over the world. Crystal actually is a former member of Ballet British Columbia. She danced with us. She also choreographed with the company in her early years when she was starting out. She um, created a beautiful work called Solo Echo for Netherlands Dance Theatre in 2012, and that is the work that we are bringing on the Another program. Another great company. Another great company. It's a beautiful piece. Yeah. It has all of the kind of the signature moments that I think are signature references to Crystal's choreography today. It's like a, a beautiful, precious poem, and I, it's just it's it, to the music of Johannes Brahms. It's gorgeous. Um, I could talk in more detail, but it's a very exciting work for seven dancers. Uh, that is really about one person seen from seven, through seven different people. Mm -hmm. Another piece that we're bringing is by a really exciting Israeli choreographer by the name of Sharon Ayel. It's also, she works very closely with her partner Guy Bahar. So the work is called Bill. It was made for the Bacheva Dance Company. Uh, we are very lucky to have the work. We're the first company in Canada to work with Sharon. It's, if you haven't seen Sharon's work, you can't, it's hard to describe. It's fascinating, it's pulling on so many, often people say it's like looking at the past and the future at the same time. She's really dealing with images of the sensory body. There is an enormous expression that comes out and a beautifully crafting of a very large group. Um, everyone's dressed the same and it's one person from many different angles, but mm -hmm. midway through the piece, it's like this brain kind of comes out on you and it's this fascinating, world. She creates really another world. Um, very, very exciting choreographer. Last work on the program is a work that I made for the company called 16 Plus A Room. Fantastic. So I have the joy of not only getting to, to be the artistic director, but every once in a while during a season to be able to choreograph. And I love it. It's like putting on another hat. Um, and it's just a delight. I worked very closely with the dancers, as do a lot of choreographers. They generate, they participate very collaboratively in yeah. the work that we make. And I created a, different, uh, a second version to it, so the version that we're bringing is the most re revised. And it really is this idea if you put 16 people in a room and you start tipping it as if it's a metaphor for the unknown, what are the patterns that come out of that and how is that a reflection of our, of our world? It's a study of time. I'm definitely going to come back to your choreography, um, but just a little bit more about the tour. You're going around, not just in London, you're actually going quite, a, quite far in the UK. Why was that important to, to the company, to this tour? Well, first, it's important for us to tour. It's important for us to tour uh, beyond Canada, internationally. It's important for us to go to smaller and larger communities. What it does for us is it teaches us about dance. It teaches us about the work. It helps us develop also the work. Being able to come to London was the starting point, and of course everyone, it's a huge honor to be able to go to Sather's Wells, and also just the work that's coming out of there, the artists that are kind of influencing dance today. It's really, really special and an extraordinary privilege. 
But to be able to then extend that and go through into the communities to do workshops, to work with the next generation of dancers and to really have that additional conversation and then to be able to show them the work is, is as important as going to the really large venues. It's um, that diversity of conversation and that being able to kind of stretch that profile is very important to us. And the communities want to see it. And the dance consortium here in the UK is uh, uh, very unique in the way that it curates this type of touring, yeah. this ability. It's so thoughtful and so, um, it's so important to the development of dance, not just in this, in this country, but also um, what it says to the rest of, I mean, it's really influencing. I mean, I, we're able to, yeah, it, it's influencing a lot of people, the way the attention that dance is being given and the way that it's being uh, programmed and uh, that relationship that's being built between communities. It is a very unique environment. Mm. Yeah, it's a very, very special environment. I agree with you, absolutely. So tell us about your, your role as the artistic director. You took up the, the uh, directorship after being a dancer yourself. Um, and you talked about some of the, the, the way in which you've influenced the company. Your, tell us about your vision that is, what does the future look like for, for the company, for Ballet BC, and as the artistic director, what do you see are some of the changes that you would like to see with, either within your own company or within the, the dance uh, community back home or globally, mm. which is obviously quite a, a wide question. Yeah, that is a very wide question. <laughs> um, so maybe what I can do in answering that, because it's, 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 um, it's a wonderful, uh, in-depth um, question. For us, why we, are, why we make dance and how we make dance is as important as what we make. So to your part of your question about, you know, how is this affecting, it's really important that the most important person in the room is actually the art. So if we are able to do that, then hopefully that spirit is philosophically is passed on in the work. So the kind of work that we make has that spirit inside of it, and that will get passed on. So we really care about what happened before us and mm -hmm. what will happen after us. And that has to do with how much respect we give the moment that we're in. And that we work collaboratively as a group. Each dancer is a soloist within a group. So whether you dance the work or not, whether you were in the making, it's all, it's all important. Um, so what is that doing for the future? Hopefully yeah. it's allowing dancers to have a, you know, a future, first of all, mm -hmm. to be able to make it a profession. Uh, you know, being able to employ a dancer in a company full-time is an important endeavor that we don't lose. That we are able to make new work is an important endeavor yeah. that we can't lose. And that we, we, and this is why touring and also building a conversation at home is very important that we have a an audience that wants to have a conversation and it's not about having an opinion about work. It's about experiencing it and having a dialogue. So it's about liking and hating something. Yeah. It's not about you know saying well unless this is this you know this type of work a masterpiece and what makes a masterpiece. But it's being able to really look at what dance can do and how is it different or similar to the other art forms. So all of that interests us as a company. Mm -hmm. So what is my vision for us going forward? It's to be able to do that and do that even more to go deeper. So when people ask me this question, it's you know often some people will say well of course you know people want more money they want more actually. When I got the company, we were in a major financial crisis. Okay. And one of the first things I had to say, or I found myself saying, is standard doesn't e money doesn't equal standard. So if that's true, then the base of the company is actually about um, the practice, deepening our practice so that we are more sophisticated in what we're doing. And that means we have to look out 
and then we have to look in. Yeah. And we have to keep doing that work. And then with that in mind, hopefully the work we make is great and it's gonna, have, it's gonna help us go across the world. But it's first and foremost, why did we even step in the studio? And, and to make sure that if we love it, that we don't lose it. And so that's the vision going forward. And yes, if there can be a few more production dollars and things like that, that would be great. Globally. Globally, yes. And Locally, so, yes. So part of the, the vision has always been of the company that, th that there's a certain amount of attention on professional development and leadership, that mm -hmm. the dancers have a voice, that they are able to express themselves, that they are also spokespersons, spokespeople, or pe persons for art and for the artist in society yeah. that's not just our company it's you know their endeavor of doing it is going to open up the way for other people and to make sure people know how important it is not just to them but to our society the way in which you're describing the future of the company or what's intrinsically important to the company and to yourself as the artistic director um, director to me sounds very much like a treasuring mm. um, is how it sort of mm. feels to me um, and I wonder about, uh, as the artistic director, you talk about the quality of, of dance. Um, what do you look for when you're looking for artists to join your company? Um, you, you talk about a lot of qualities mm. there that are, are quite in, intern, internal, but mm. can be articulated externally mm. through the structure and the work that you create. What do you look for in, in dancers? That's a great question. And to the internal becoming external, we are always dealing with audiences, so there is always that, yeah. that, that openness, that generosity that one hopes for. So one of the things, I, I think over the past eight years, now going into my ninth season, the audition process is quite um, intimate as well. So yes, I, I watch a ballet class, but that is like that much. Okay. We teach repertoire, we do improvisation, I build work on the dancers, I have conversations with them. What I'm really looking for is, yes, a great dancer, someone who has great training, um, classical and contemporary, but more than that, how does someone think? How curious are they? Can they laugh in the studio? Are they hungry to learn? Because, as you probably are aware, dance requires an enormous amount of commitment. Yeah. It's, uh, it takes us, we, we don't have a conductor helping us get through, so we have to spend many hours refining and defining what we do. So it takes an enormous amount of stamina and courage so I'm looking for that in an individual. How do you find that in a short period of yeah. time when you're auditioning? But you can, you know, you see it in someone's eyes. You see it in their need to have to do it, because it's we need that in the profession to really have this kind of uh, honest and um, generous conversation. And tell us about your your days or a typical day as the mm. artistic director, um, and no doubt it involves, as you say working with dancers and funding, but describe what, what your crazy day must be like. Well, there's not a lot of hours of sleep, but um, <laughs> I, am, I am an artistic director that really enjoys being in the studio. Okay. So I love coaching the work. So full, you know, I'm usually working, uh, I take class with the dancers. Ah. So part of it's really important to me because I continue to learn. Yeah. I, I, I think be through dancing. Um, it's moving helps me 
it's also being a part of community. That's the beautiful thing about our art form is that it's community-based. Um, and to be able to just kind of learn with the dancers still what they're working on. So if we do workshops, so I will, I will, I will enter into that process with them. Then I'll, you know, sometimes be rehearsing six hours a day because that's our rehearsal day. So after mm -hmm. class, um, and then you know, in the morning before we start, during the afternoons, I'm in meetings. In the evening, I'm doing all the administrative work. I'm responsible for all the curating and programming and contracting and um, you know I am a director that also looks at the you know the finances and does um, although we have a wonderful team of people who are involved okay. in that too I am someone who takes that very seriously um, and connects that to it not being a hindrance to what we can create but my knowledge of that and my ability to work in that part of the company is important to also get you know being able to create possibility um, so yes, they're very full days, and I wouldn't say that there are many days off. <laughs> but I, I am lucky to say that I love what I do, and it's, I find it's an important, an important to do. And how do you feel that um, having been a professional dancer prior to your directorship, but also being a principal dancer mm -hmm. with Ballet BC previously, how has that influenced how you've approached the artistic director role? Mm -hmm. Do you feel that it has? Uh, certainly it has. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that someone has to have danced to be an artistic director, just as I would say that I don't think someone has to have danced to be a great teacher. Um, but I think that my time both in companies, uh, uh, the National Ballet of Canada being a classical ballet company, and then working with William Forsett in Frankfurt Ballet, which was a more contemporary ballet company, that I was you know, privy to different structures, mm -hmm. also between Canadian and the, and the European models. Um, but then to also be a project freelance, freelance choreographer and a project-based artist, I was able to learn about that whole infrastructure. So my experience has helped me understand the nuts and bolts of the profession. And I think it's given me um, the ability to see things, yeah, just, I also asked a lot of questions when I was dancing that weren't just about myself as a dancer. Okay. It was about, I was fascinated from quite an early age about how we were developing artists, how we were coaching, um, why people were dancing, how people's careers paralleled their life. You know, I was fascinated with the, st the structures of the companies and the decisions that we were making, and it sometimes made me a little bit more of a challenging dancer because it wasn't just about myself dancing. So I think I was fascinated about how, does a, how do you create a culture within a company for many, many years, and what does that mean for the future of dance? And so you've taken that insatiable appetite for knowledge and understanding structures and applied it mm -hmm. To Ballet BC, one, because when I got Ballet BC now, you know, eight years ago, we were in, fine, we were in uh, bankruptcy protection. Oh no. So, and it had, you know, 20 something years behind it. So this was a company that I had watched as a young student at the National Ballet School. Um, it had a history, it had an importance in the country, but it was at this moment of crisis. And so I looked at it as a study and I, you know, a lot of people thought I was a bit insane taking the job, but I also went, you know, this is actually, if I want to study the culture of a, of a company, of an organization, mm -hmm. and to me it was almost like a dysfunctional individual, it was like an alcoholic, almost. how do you change the habits of, of, of an organization from within? Mm -hmm. This is what, you know, unfortunate as it was, this was, would be really the only way to really study this, is by trying to actually work on something that needs this kind of help. And so that's what we started eight years ago, and now we're in the ninth season of that renewal. And um, So how did you transform the company? What did you do to bring it back from the brink of becoming something that no longer existed? There were a lot of things. Yeah. One of the first things I did is I put the dancers at a board table as people, and I said, I'm going to work as many hours as we can. 
because we're going to be working with so many new choreographers. I invited over a period of time an enormous amount of people to come that had never worked with the company. I asked for them to do me a favor because mm -hmm. of course we didn't have very much money. Yeah and to basically show our audiences what was going on in contemporary ballet around the world and then to start to get information from them and then by through that the dancers were also being um, developed and nurtured so we were building that from the outside and the inside building relationships and this kind of attention to quality of work and that just took work it, that's not something money can buy not overnight took, yeah, yeah. yeah not overnight yeah mm. but so it kept kind of really discussing what that was and and it wasn't it hasn't been easy but it's been very very rewarding and it's very beautiful to see I love although there are fires and miracles every day I love watching people develop I love watching that sense of you know discovery and accomplishment and to watch choreographers also just explore I mean ideas I love ideas so to be able to create an environment where I'm invisible, but people are supported, where they can take risks, they can fall, they can get back up, and failure is a positive thing. Absolutely. That takes, takes time. And you talk about the developing artists and dancers. What do you feel that is really important as part of that process? You talked about you know, failure and support, but is there other sort of practical measures that you apply for providing dancers with not only the skills to enjoy a, hopefully a, a long career or a longer mm -hmm. career than perhaps in the past mm -hmm. but also help prepare them for the future as well beyond their stage career yeah I mean very great question and so of course we're looking at present needs you know from the, the physio the, the, the medical team that works around us all yeah. of the different um, the therapists that we have or the day-to-day -day work schedule the really having a, a, a two-way conversation with students. So those are all things, but to the future, I mean, now about half of the company choreograph. Really? They teach, some of them have been doing rehearsal directing, some of them have gone into our administration and worked on different areas. So we kind of go, we don't force that conversation. Mm -hmm. It's more when people show interest, we've been trying to give them an opportunity. And I get so excited when they show that interest because once you start to teach, or get on the other side of the, of, of the practice of making the art, you see things that you don't usually see when you're in it. And it's, it just opens up the, the conversation that happens in the studio, and they just grow. It's really, and, they, and then they also want to keep dancing longer because they take on more responsibility, they feel like they're, everything's kind of learning from each other and they're developing, and it's, so that's what I keep trying to get, keep an eye on, is what people need and that everybody is quite different. So let's talk about you as a choreographer. Um, but actually, for me, it's, it's wonderful to hear that not only so many up-and-coming choreographers are being supported in your own company, but to have a program that has three female choreographers, um, there's, uh, you know, it's quite a topic, of course, and a very necessary one about diversity in dance, but also supporting female choreographers in dance in what is often um, a male narrative world. Um, tell us about your approach to choreography. How would you describe your choreographic language mm. in trying to, I guess, uh, present works in, in this world that is unique and mm. clearly wonderful as you're bringing it over <laughs> here. <laughs> but tell us, tell us about your work. I, of course, had a wonderful opportunity to work for one of our great uh, contemporary choreographers, William Forsythe, and so that 
and, and many others, but I'd say that Bill, um, the, the kind of environment of just uh, research and creativity and experimentation, which was so privileged to us in Frankfurt Ballet in the 90s when I was dancing there. I mean, we were making pieces as we were dancing them. I mean, he was wow. changing them as we yeah. were dancing them. Uh, so much great, I mean, all of his improvisational modalities that were coming out. So I have that in my history, and of course I'm still learning from those things. I'm still questioning them and still um, developing what my awareness of them. So I think that I pass an interest on in the sense of really collaborating with the dancers. So I generate, I ask them often to take an idea and then to come back. And so I might say, you know, what would happen if you, we take this, often I use um, text. So that's where okay. my kind of relationship with the writing of Emily Dickinson for this piece and uh, Virginia Woolf, it's if you, you know, start with this phrase or take something in this book that interests you and then go away and generate something from it. And so then we start to build this kind of foreign but then not so foreign language that becomes the movement vocabulary and then from there for me it's going back to the concept so I I really refine I I love environments I love states of things so for me it's always a kind of an abstract poem in a way it's um, I'm not I'm usually like for 16 plus a room with the study of time my idea was that you could take all of the choreography away and just the transitions in the piece would be a frame of a piece. So it's a bit like saying, you know, that the frame of a house is solid as well, and then you put all the furniture and de decor yeah. inside. But if you remove it, there's actually a piece, of, a piece of architecture there that's very sound and solid. And so I was kind of studying those things. So I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with the possibility. I often change things a lot. Um, some of the sections, there'll be a dancer who are, is passing through a very choreographed phrase, but he's being asked to imagine that the ceiling is the floor and the floor is the ceiling. Mm -hmm. So then there's another layer so I'm curious about pushing those possibilities. And some are successful, some are not so successful, but it's changing the responsibility of the dancer on stage, I find quite fun, to give them a lot of, a lot of uh, voice inside of the work. And for a, for a dancer, and having been a dancer yourself, that must be a very, very, on one hand, or for some dancers, a very exciting opportunity, but for other dancers, it must be thoroughly yes. frightening. Yes, but by the time they, Working with us, they would already be less fr less frightened. But having because we're a small group, so we yeah. don't try to make this a project of 80 people or 100 okay. people. But you're absolutely right, and so this is why training what we are offering dancers before they become professional dancers is very key. Because to imagine that one, um, and this already started for me with being in a classical ballet company, it's any company now will require a dancer to have a certain amount of tools. Yeah. It's not privy to one style. Yeah. It's that choreographers want access to many different ways of approaching space and time in the body. So they want the training, but they want someone who can actually throw it up and turn it around and do all kinds of things. So that has to come in earlier, has to come in before, or they spend most of their career trying to figure it out. But what if they start the career already with some of that information? Then what can choreographers create? Does That's, that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but how do you approach those kind of questions and also, because technique takes I mean, classical technique takes, I mean, you're always working on a tondu for the rest of your life. Absolutely. You never, you never, you never find enduring. it. And enduring. Enduring, that's yeah. right. So it's, it's a work in progress always. So how yeah. do you hold that absolutely, you know, very specific and very intricate and beautiful training and to get that technique alive and then also hold these other ideas of constructing and deconstructing, I mean, and many other things. But how do you, how do you keep that flexible? And just going back to the fact that you said 40, how many 
how many dancers are also choreographers within the company or well, budding I'm, choreographers? Of, of 18, there's at least nine or 10. Nine, yeah. so, so 40% around yeah, about, yes. which is ex quite extraordinary. I'm not sure that I've And heard male that and before. female, it's, yeah. it's, and there's no, it's, it's about interest. And so everyone's able to do it if they want. And it also helps that we have an official training body by the name of Arts Umbrella. And so they also will employ them to choreograph. They have two okay. companies, a junior and a senior company. And they're beautiful dancers that are dancing all over the world. There's a number of them in um, Netherlands Dance Theater and uh, one that worked also with Hove Schechter. So there's some, oh, wow. so they're, they're really great and they are asking those questions already yeah. in their training so they're this prime ter like environment for these young choreographers to to try stuff and it's because it's a student body it also you know you can work with larger groups and smaller groups and there's a certain kind of freedom without too much pressure yeah. around developing and that's another thing i'm very curious about is how do we how do we develop a choreographer yeah. do we throw them out there with an orchestra on a large stage when they, they they're making their first pieces at fair mm -hmm. or are we giving them too much too soon, and then, then it becomes, um, their relationship to choreographing becomes more pressured than it needs to be. And that has to do with the responsibility of those of us with structured environments that can help it, make it easier for choreographers. Don't forget to subscribe. We've got some incredible interviews coming up with principal ballerinas and renowned choreographers. We love dance and ballet, and we hope you'll love us. Join us on Facebook and Twitter.